Hey, Brian here with Mid City Vineyard Church Podcast. Mid City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock at 4302 Canal Street. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, check us out on Facebook, Mid City Vineyard, Instagram at Mid City Vineyard, and of course online, midcityvineyard.org. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been in our Advent series entitled While We Wait, as we've been moving closer and closer towards Christmas. And so this past week, we were in the fourth week of Advent. We're, uh, we're a bit, we're a week ahead of the rest of the church uh, as due to our worship schedule. And so we were in the fourth week, we titled this particular talk, Anticipation and Participation, as we look at the life and the call of Mary. So let's get over to the podcast. Thanks for checking us out. Much peace to you. So tonight is our fourth week in our Advent series. We've been in this series now uh, entitled While We Wait. And so for us, uh, we understand 2,000 years after the birth of Christ that the original Advent, the original waiting was for the Christ to come to the planet, the Christ to redeem and reconcile for the Messiah to come. That was what the first Advent was all about. For us here now in the Christian church through these last 2,000 years, when we celebrate Advent, it's an opportunity for us to reflect back upon the coming of the Christ. But more importantly, to be reminded and to continually reflect upon the return of the Christ, the day when Jesus will return, when there will be a complete marrying of heaven and earth, and when there will be complete reconciliation and redemption and restoration of all things. And so tonight, as we celebrate the fourth week of Advent, we've entitled this one Anticipation and Participation, as we look at the text from the lectionary, which this evening is Luke chapter 1 verse 26 through 38. So I'm going to read this, and then we will study it for just a moment's time. Luke 1, 26 through 38. And Micah, if you have that slide the next, of, uh, of the Annunciation. There it is. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name Mary. Now upon entering, Gabriel greeted her and he said, Good morning, for you are beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful both inside and out. God be with you. And she was thoroughly shaken. Wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear, for God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. Surprise! <laughs> he will be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. His, uh, he will rule Jacob's house forever. No end ever to his kingdom. And Mary said to the angel, but how can this be? I've, I've never slept with a man. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The spirit of the highest will hover over you. 
Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Mary, did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son even as old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is six months pregnant. Nothing. Do you understand? Nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's servant, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. And then the angel left her. And so, Lord, tonight, just even in in this text that for many it it might even seem familiar. It's a text that that we we revisit every December. Lord, tonight, maybe would you unpack something? Would you reveal something? Would you challenge us in a way that um, maybe we've not experienced before? Lord, let it not just be, oh, it's the Christmas story, yay. But God, would you, would you allow the words of Scripture tonight uh, to, to move on our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits, our bodies? Let our ears hear, our souls know. More of you tonight, Lord. Amen. In 1898, Henry Tanner painted uh, the Annunciation. And the way that Tanner, I I love his his imagination on this, as as Gabriel reveals himself as, as an angel, as an angel of light. And the most amazing thing to me is just this this image of Mary. Because Mary, uh, it's understood that Mary was quite young. I mean, there's a a good chance Mary was anywhere between the age of uh, uh, 13, maybe through uh, 18 years old at the oldest, when she conceived. And so when you look at the picture, you you can kind of see on Mary's face, there there are all kinds of things that are going on perhaps with Mary. You've got to think, if you were a 15-year-old girl... (laughs) And this bright light appears to you, what might your understanding be? What might your expression be? One of perhaps fear, which I think we see that, maybe perplexed in some way, concerned, uh, anticipatory, uh, and she's thinking through this. It's a fascinating thing. You know, in Christian theology, the, the word, when, when we understand God becoming flesh, when we think about God becoming a human being, the word for that is the incarnation. Incarnation, you might have heard that word used, uh, uh, is God becoming flesh. Now, that alone should be mind-blowing enough for anyone who really ponders this idea. This idea that a divine being would intentionally choose to lay that divinity aside and actually put on blue jeans and converse, hoodies and hats, and walk around as a human being. Well, the way Jesus would have done it would have been with sandals. I once heard that Jesus is what we understand is God in sandals. What does God look like? Well, we look at Jesus. Because Jesus is God in sandals. Now, the word theotokos, capital T-H-E-O-T-O-K-U-S, theotokos is the name that is given to Mary. 
And Mary, what the word theotokos means is God-bearer, the one who bears God. So in Christian theology, you have the, the incarnation and you have theotokos, which is Mary, the God-bearer. And if you look at the two things together, the incarnation of Christ through the God-bearer, through Mary, is one of the most amazing confessions of the Christian faith, if you think about this, because it's the sacred mystery that we have of how through cooperation of the Spirit and humanity, the Holy, the Divine One, becomes flesh and blood. See, this doesn't happen. The incarnation, this understanding of God becoming flesh, doesn't happen without God, right? I mean, God has to make that choice. And yet, at the same time, it doesn't happen without Mary. It doesn't happen without the cooperation of a human being saying yes to the things of the Spirit, saying yes to the things of God. Surprise! <laughs> that had to be amazing. Perhaps one of the greatest things, and I would encourage you, read through this text this week, because one of the greatest things that I think that we can learn through this actual narrative is that all of life is wrapped into the understanding that life, your life and my life, is a cooperative effort between us and the divine. All of your life is a cooperative effort between you and God, between what you want and what God wants. And when what God wants, when we line our wills and our desires and our hearts and our souls and, and we line up with the Holy Spirit and we come into this cooperation with the Spirit, that's what makes life beautiful. But God will never press something in on you without your cooperation. And maybe one of the other most amazing things about this picture is that we see the true ordinariness of Mary. Mary was an ordinary girl. Mary was no different. She was no more special. She was no more uh, honored or favored than any other girl and or woman who has ever walked the planet. Mary was ordinary, which I think says something very powerful to all of us because are we not quite ordinary? Mary was very ordinary, and yet the divine chose, hey, I would like for you to cooperate with me to bear God to the world. In this text, as you read through it, perhaps again this week, and you take your outline and just uh, maybe follow through, I think that there are three prominent themes that we could, we could look at. The first one would be the inbreaking, or uh, the word I like better than inbreaking would be the presence of, of the holy. The idea that God is active and God is present in this world. That God is active and God is present in this world now, tonight, even in this moment. That God is present and God is active in this world tomorrow and the next day and the day after that and the day after that. That God is present and active in the world at all times. See, it's, it's tempting for us to actually 
imagine that the human predicament that we see, seem to think we find ourselves in, and we do find ourselves in sometimes, whether it's the war, uh, the war of, of the world, the, the warring worlds that we, we find ourselves in, or whether it's just the human predicament of our own broken lives, we have this sense sometimes, this weighty sense, that it might not ever be able to be healed or overturned. But I think as we begin to read through the scriptures, as we read through the book of Luke, we begin to see that Luke is explaining to us that through the birth and the life lived and the death and the resurrection of the Christ, that the holy breaks in and that the holy, the divine, the spirit is bringing creation somewhere. So broken lives and warring worlds, these are not the last words. These are not the last words because the divine has come, because the divine is present. You see, when you walk around tomorrow and you look, you watch the news and you walk around, maybe you actually literally walk around your community and you look, it's easy, easy, easy for you to look with eyes that are, that are geared in this reality to see the negative, to see the brokenness, to see the warring. It's, it's very easy to see the oppression and the depression. It's that we're, we've trained ourselves, we've been trained to see life as, as that is. And then it's difficult for us to actually recognize where is God. But as we, as followers of Christ, as we begin to train ourselves to look first and foremost for God then we will begin to recognize that God is quite present everywhere. God is quite present everywhere. And even, even in the midst of when we're seeing the, the, the news, when we're seeing what, is, what seems to be going wrong, we will have eyes to more easily recognize that God is in the process of fixing and reconciling and redeeming everything that is broken. One of the first, the first prominent theme is that God is present everywhere. The second prominent theme that, theme that we see here in this particular scripture is the favor of God on Mary. And it's beautiful, I think, because we see that God chooses Mary, but why does God choose Mary? Maybe God chooses Mary exactly because of who she's not. She's not a somebody. And God chooses to work with a nobody. She's a young girl, a young girl in a society that values men and values maturity. It's a patriarchal society and those who are older are the ones who have value. And yet here is a young female that God chooses to use. She's not one who is favored in the human realm. And yet she is one who is favored by God. Today, if the, the angel Gabriel was going to, to, let's say that the Christ had not been born, had not walked the planet before, and today God, the divine, the spirit was going to come and, and say it's time for the, for, for the Christ to come to the earth and to be born, and we need a, we need a young woman whose favor God will rest upon that could, that could be the bearer of God to the world, what kind of woman would this be? I would suggest maybe in this country today, it would probably more than likely be the undocumented immigrant who lives down the street from you. 
And in some way, shape, or form, some of us would maybe say, well, that's, that's a little bit, that offends my mind a little bit. I think that's part of, the, part of the deal. I think that when Jesus is born to Mary, have you ever noticed who showed up at the manger in the, in the story? It's all the nobodies. Shepherds. Um, uh, astrologers. Guys who read and told fortunes off of the stars. We know them as the wise men, but they were, they were star readers. Nobody of any importance showed up. Can you close that? Nobody of any importance showed up. The people of importance, who was that? Herod, who was king at the time. You know what Herod tried to do? Herod tried to find this Jesus and kill him. The important people had their own agendas and their own things to be doing. The favor of God rests on Mary. And if Mary is any indicator of who it would be now, we understand that it would, it would be someone that has no human favor upon them. And the divine chooses Mary, and Mary in her great anthem, what Christy read earlier, this amazing anthem where, where Mary proclaims that this Christ, this child, this, this child that's born, his mercy is going to flow wave after wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm, he showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off of their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet, and the callous rich were left out in the cold. This Christ, it's a total reversal of what the reality is that we see with our eyes. Like how amazing is this? If, 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 listen, if this begins to truly, and, and I, I've, it's taken me, I think I've, I've been following Christ now for 22 years, and I, this is still sinking in, but it, the more and the more and the more and the more this stuff starts to sink in to us, the more we will find the Spirit leading us to, to, to ministering to those who have broken lives and broken hearts, the impoverished, the poor, the weak, Standing up for those who no one else is standing up for. This is what Jesus is doing. It's a complete reversal of the way we think the world works. This goes back to the reality of the kingdom of God that we talked about last week. The real world of God and God's reign. And then the third theme that we can see here is Mary's response. How does Mary respond? This particular understanding where Mary is the one who brings God into the world, it should cause us to jump out of our realm of predictability. It should open up our hearts and our souls and our spirits, spirits to the unexpected and to the unimaginable, and even in our own lives. See, because what happens here is Mary is not a passive recipient. Mary is an active participant, and she is a creative partner and a creative agent with God and what God is doing. She responds actively. She responds willingly. And it's something that Mary did not see coming. 
It's something that Mary perhaps probably never imagined. And what does that mean for you? And what does that potentially mean for me? Well, I would suggest that there are things in your own life that you've not imagined possible. There are things that you simply cannot predict about your own life that maybe God does want to do with you. Maybe there are invitations in your own life that the Spirit of God is inviting you into, and you've just always thought, well, no, not me. I mean, God needs, you know, Christy for that, or, or God needs Sean for that, but not me. To which I would say, why not? Why, why not? I'm sure there, that thought went through Mary's mind, well, not me, surely. Not me. Some have, some have asked, well, how does this work exactly? Does the Holy Spirit force the Spirit's self upon Mary? And I, I would say, no, I think not. I think not that this Holy Spirit forces the Spirit's self upon Mary. She's an active participant. It's just something that she had not imagined before. But perhaps, and I, I like how one author wrote this, perhaps we could consider how God's call in our lives does actually, in some way, shape, or form, violate the selves we imagined ourselves to be. So you have a particular picture of your life. You have a particular picture of the road that you're on. You have a particular picture of, of the things that God might be saying to you or inviting you into. And yet perhaps we consider God's call does violate the selves we imagined ourselves to be, transforming us, here's how this author wrote it, transforming us from virgins who are unable to bear God to the world into creative agents for whom with God nothing is impossible. So what would that mean? It means that your life with God is bigger in many instances than what perhaps you've imagined. And in this time of Advent, in this time of anticipation of what God is doing in our world, it's also a time of participation with what God is doing with you and with our church, with our community in this world. Will it be easy? No. I mean, think about what Mary did here. She said, okay, I, here I am. I'm your servant. Whatever, whatever you want to God. And then what happens? Even 33 years later, it's still, she finds herself in nearly impossible situations as this son of hers is nailed to a cross as she kneels at this cross, kissing his bloody Will it be easy? No. Not always. Sometimes we think, oh, well, if, if God invites me to it, God will just open up all the doors and pave the way. No, sometimes God might say, this is what I'm inviting you to, and sometimes you might have to kick down some doors along the way. Will it be easy? No. Is it doable? Yes. Why? Because if we're cooperating with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit begins to give us the grace that we need, the empowering presence of God that we need to do whatever it is. And so I would say that some in the room, even tonight, some of you, and I really, I think these aren't just, um, these are not just a couple things I'm just rattling off like for, for a list of examples. I, I actually, as I was studying this week, I think some of these are actually things that God's doing. But I think that some of you in the room are being stirred 
to be more generous with your time. And it's been an actual like, eh, 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 I don't know. Is this what God's doing? I think that some of you have been being stirred to be more engaged in your actual neighborhoods with those in your neighborhood and just how you interact and how you entertain and how you practice hospitality. I think some of you have uh, been being stirred in some way, shape, or form to actually switch jobs. I don't really know what that's about. I just, it's, it's a sense that, that I was getting that there's some that have just, there's, there's been this thing like, maybe this is something, and no, it's, it's too hard. I think some of you have been actually being stirred to actually slow down. And to realize that you are not ultimately in charge of you. But the Spirit's been inviting you to slow down and to practice life. I think that some of you are being stirred in some ways to let go of control of certain things. And some of you are being stirred to give your life to something uh, that's outside of the realm that you've been thinking for some time. And you just and, and when I say these things, I think what happens a lot of times in Christian in Christianese, Christian worlds, there seems to be so often this, well, if that's what God wants, God's going to open the door and then I'll just walk right through it. And I, I, I think that that's really um, very bad theology. I don't think that God, and I, I think biblically we can make this point over and over again, but I don't think that God just has, like, there's three doors, and God's like, well, see, these two are closed, so obviously you need to go through C. Sometimes I think what God does is, is he throws open the doors, and all of a sudden, A, B, and C are all open, and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> because, for some of us, we much rather the certainty of God closing A and C so that we can walk right through B. But sometimes God says, no, no, no. That's how beautiful and amazing this life is. Like, I am so on your side. What do you want to do? A, B, or C. Other times, all three doors are slammed closed. And so we just sit there. And we're just waiting for this magical God that seems to, we think seems to pull big rabbits out of his cosmic hat. And we're just going to wait for him to open the door. And sometimes I think God's saying, no, that's, that, it's, it's, it's right there. Start kicking Start kicking. And let's go. In this time of Advent, what is, what is the Spirit doing? What's the Spirit doing in your life? What is the Spirit doing in us as a community? How is the Spirit stirring you? How is God inviting you? And like Mary, where, in the story of Mary, where are we recognizing the presence of God? Where are we recognizing that, that in breaking, where are we recognizing God's favor? And what is our response? Here I am, Lord, send me. That's how Isaiah said it. Mary said, I am your servant. You, 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 you invite me, Holy Spirit. I trust that you'll figure out the way. I'm with you. Let's do this.